0: welcome to Underneath the Hat podcast. I am your host, Arthur, entrepreneur, educator, Cherise Simmons. Thank you all so much for joining us. So if you've been watching us over the last few weeks, you've seen that we've been talking about different types of hurt and how we can heal from them just by living in our truth. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been dealing with family hurt And we've been talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of family hurt. So today, I'm so excited about our next guest, Sandria Washington, who's going to share her story about family hurt from her perspective. And we're going to dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let me bring her on now, our guest, Sandria Washington. Hello,
1: hi. Thank you for having me. So, pleasure to be here. here. Thank
0: you. Yes. So, let's jump right on in. Let's have you introduce yourself and then share with us your story.
1: Sure. So, I am Sandra Washington. I am a Chicago girl, born and raised. Um, I'm an artist, so a writer. My background is communications. I've done a lot of Community work mm-hmm. um, a lot of it centered around black women and girls and healing um, mm-hmm. I'm a certified yoga teacher and You know all the things that I've kind of picked up along my journey all these different healing tools whether it's the yoga meditation writing mm-hmm. journaling uh, Have helped me in a surprising way so about three years ago, I found out that I was adopted, and I had absolutely no clue that adoption was a part of my story. um I grew up the youngest of two children um from a pretty big family uh, my mom's side of the family she was the oldest of fourteen children, so I have lots of aunts and uncles and a gang of cousins and mm-hmm. You know, just just doing the normal family thing. And even with all of these people, never did I hear any whisperings of of anything. I never came across any documents. And so when the information was brought to my attention, it really caught me by surprise. Uh, I found out at 38 years old. So, (laughs) yes. So, you know, 38 years of my life, I think I'm living what is my normal real life mm-hmm. right and i find out at 38 that there's a completely different part of my story a completely new part of my life that i just wasn't consciously aware of so, so for the last 3 years it's really been about me putting pieces of my story together um connecting with family but also taking my story and using that as a platform to help other adoptees, help other Black families, and really get to the root of some of the things that that we struggle with as as a Black community when it comes to family and difficult conversations that we just don't have. So I am one half of, of an initiative called Black to the Beginning. It's a platform to amplify the stories of black adoptees and black families. And we host a podcast called Black to the Beginning, the Black Adoption Podcast, where, the, where we share these types of stories and we have these types of conversations. Um, and so as I always like to say, I am learning and discovering things in real time. Three years is not a long time to, to deal with all of this. so. Literally, as I am learning and discovering, the story is, is unfolding um, for everybody else that, that's hearing about it.
0: Right. So what would you say has been the good part about finding out that you were actually adopted after 38
1: years? Yes. So the good part, one of the good parts is that it was very validating. So growing up, I've always struggled with just feeling like something is off, something is missing. I'm always searching for something um, and never really being able to put a finger on it, never being able to put a name to why do I feel sad or why do I feel like I'm something is always missing? And growing up like that, I often just felt like, in some ways, like I was crazy, you know, like how, why, why do I feel these things? Um, And so when, when I got confirmation that I was adopted, one of my first thoughts was I'm not crazy. Um, Feeling what I feel. It's normal. When you go through a separation like that, when you go through a traumatic birth process and you're separated from a birth parent, that's a memory, that's an implicit memory that's in your body, that's in your DNA, you know? So even though I wasn't consciously aware of it, it's something that I had always carried with me. So one of the good things was just having that piece of truth and getting a sense of peace around my own story. And then I think just being able to connect with myself in a different way and connect with a whole new extended family and it's like I was given this opportunity to gather pieces of myself that I had no access to before and so when I get those pieces back I mean it really feels like the puzzle is is coming together and so that's just been a beautiful a beautiful gift
0: Mm. Now, how have you been able to reconnect with your biological family?
1: I have. So I am actually one of five girls. I have four sisters, three older and then myself and a younger sister. We were two that were placed uh, for adoption. My younger sister is a year younger. Um, We did not grow up together. So in this process, I discovered her and then I discovered that we have three uh, older sisters. And I've been able to connect with both of my birth parents, extended family aunts and cousins and, and uncles. So my story moved pretty quickly. There are a lot of adoptees who Never get to meet any of their their birth family, or maybe they get to meet a sibling, but not a parent. So I've been fortunate to to meet my parents and and my siblings. And how receptive was your were your biological parents
0: to actually meeting you, because I know just hearing your story reminds me of a movie Antoine Fisher mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when he met his mom and how he had the, the dialogue he had with her of him telling her who he was and that he didn't blame her for mm-hmm. what actually took place. So were your parents receptive to finally getting to meet you and understanding how you felt about the situation?
1: They were. So in, in my case, Um, once I, I finally did get to connect with my, my birth mom, I connected with her first, um, Mm -hmm. and she was very welcoming. Um, we met for lunch and, you know, was able to begin forming a relationship from there. Um, my sisters as well, very open, very welcoming, um, my birth father, same thing. We went out to lunch had a long conversation and he walked me through his life story, so to speak. And I got mm-hmm. to walk him through through my story. Um, of course, I, there was that initial element of surprise um, mm-hmm. because this is something that, you know, my birth mother hadn't really thought about. She had blocked it out of her mind for nearly 40 years. Mm-hmm. So to have it resurface somewhat out of the blue um you know i'm sure that that took her uh by surprise a bit but you know she was just very open and and welcoming like okay let's you know i want to meet you i want to get to know you so in in that regard it it was it was pretty positive
0: okay now Sandrine, your picture is a little uh blurry at times oh no on my
1: end it's clear but okay Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So with the good Mm -hmm. comes the bad. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what would you say has been the bad part of finding out that you have been adopted?
1: Part of the bad or or the challenging for me was that both of my parents, my parents who raised me. are deceased. My father Mm. passed around 2006, 2007. Uh, My mother passed the end of 2011. So by the time I got this information, I couldn't go back to them and have a conversation. So there are still a lot of questions that I know that I just will never have answers to because they are no longer here to answer them. Um, So, you know, that's been challenging just to accept and, and sit with um, because of course I, you know, I wanna have all my questions answered. I want, you know, I don't want my mind to, to race with, with all the different thoughts, but unfortunately, you know, that's just not going to happen. So that's probably for me what I would consider the bad. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that I know now, but I wish that particularly my mom, I wish that she was here and we could have had those conversations. And, you know, I wish I could have been there to even be a listening ear for her, um, because this is something that she kept secret as well. You know, she took it to her grave. And so I often wonder, was this at any point a weight on on her life? Um, mm. What were her reasons for not telling me the information and, you know, not wanting anybody in my family to share the information? So just not being able to have those types of conversation that has been challenging.
0: Mm. So um, since both of your adoptive parents are deceased, who mm-hmm. have you been able to turn to from your extended family that you can that can be that listening ear or answer some of those questions that you weren't able to ask your parents
1: so at least the the bit of the story that that i do know my parents didn't really talk about the adoption they didn't really talk about their decision to pursue (laughs) adoption so even in going back to um my aunt, one of my aunts, and and talking with my older brother, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they don't even have the answers that that I would want to know. So there's not necessarily a, a listening ear um, in in my immediate family, but I have found community um, with friends, other adoptees. So getting into this whole black adoptee, black adoption community. Um, online and just being able to connect with other people who can understand what it feels like, especially what it feels like to learn at such a late age in life. Um, That's been really helpful, but my, my family doesn't really talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's been interesting too. Um, It's not really a topic of conversation. But I'm very public about it. You know, I I talk about the journey as it's been unfolding. And I have this platform with my friend, Dr. Samantha Coleman. And so we're both just very vocal um, about the process. But in my immediate family, we we don't really talk about it.
0: And how has that been? Because we both know being a part of African-American culture, we have that saying what happens in this house stays Mm -hmm. in this house. And so a lot of things could have been avoided if we had just had a conversation, which was the reason I wanted to do this podcast, having gone through some of the things that I've gone through and people are just quiet. Mm -hmm. And once I started opening up and realizing that people I have been seeing for years went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. So my first question was, why didn't you say anything?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. So, what, how do you think you sharing your story or what can you tell someone who's going through it too, that's afraid to tell their story? What advice can you give them so that they can begin the healing process?
1: Well, I would say one of the first things, being able to share your, your side of the story, your truth, For me, that is a a step in healing. For me, that's been part of the healing process. Just being able to talk about this out loud and not really think about how people might perceive it. You know, what does my family think? What does my biological family think? You know, just being able to share my own side of the story because I know my story has value, it has meaning. And at the same time, I know that it will help somebody else. You never know who you're going to bless with what you share. Um, and I found that to be true in, in sharing my own story. So I often get text messages or DMs from people who will share with me their story. In some cases, they're adopted. Um, but in, a, in many cases, they're not adopted. But it's a similar situation where maybe there was a family secret, or maybe they were raised by someone who they thought was their biological parent, but it turned out that that person is not their biological parent. And so, mm-hmm. it, just so it opened up these other conversations, these other layers. And for me, that's been super important because it's bigger than adoption. So yes, adoption is one access point, but And going down this rabbit hole, we've uncovered that this is a much larger black family conversation. So even if adoption isn't the issue in your family, even though there are many black families where adoption is is common, but we may not know because we're not talking about it. Right. But we know that there's other things that we may not talk about. There are so many people who don't know who their father is, or there's questions about paternity, or there are people who were raised by their grandmother or their Mm -hmm. aunt and not having that relationship with their parents. That's very common. So as we begin to have these conversations, adoption is just one avenue, but there's so many other things that we as the collective Black family can talk about. And so that's That's kind of my take on it. That's how we move forward. So as you share your story, you're becoming a part of this conversation, a part of the solution of how do we heal our families? And we can't just always say, oh, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. What stays in this house? What happens in this house stays in this house. The only way to change that is to change the behavior, which is to talk about it.
0: Exactly.
1: Now we talked about the good. We talked about mm-hmm. the bad. What has been the ugliest part? Um, I don't know if I've hit the ugliest yet. I think yeah. for me, um, I've had a lot of ugly cries. Mm. Um, there is something called adoptee fog, where you're just in this. You're just in this space. I don't even know how to fully describe it, but I would say that first year of me finding out. So pretty much all of 2019 just being in this space just not feeling like myself, feeling very sad. Um I believe there was a grieving process just mm-hmm. you know, grieving the conversations that I can't have with my mom, grieving feeling like I was lied to or not understanding why the truth wasn't shared with me, Mm -hmm. Um, dealing with anger, dealing with frustration, just all these different feelings and at least so far that's been the ugliest, just dealing with all of the emotions and what what do you do with the emotions? What do you do if the answers you want aren't available to you because people aren't living or they're not able to have conversations with you because they might not be ready to have those conversations? And so just trying to deal with all the different emotions and explaining it to people, you know, what what it feels like to learn something so critical about your your birth story, your origin story, and to find that out so late in life yeah. um, I think people when they hear my story and you know, they've watched it unfold on social media, I think the overall feeling is, wow, you know, this is great. This is so amazing that you were able to find this out and you've connected with your sisters and and look at y'all, you know, everybody looks alike and, you know, it looks really pretty. And I feel like people don't always take the time to look underneath the layers and, you know, get behind like, okay, yeah, it looks good. The optics look good, but consider how I might feel in the situation um, yes. and just the different things that I'm dealing with as I'm learning this new information about myself. Mm. And
0: that's the um, the purpose of the title Underneath the Hat. Under, yeah, I've written a book about my time as a first lady in Chicago and what I went through and the hat in the church represents a mm. first lady, but people didn't know how I was feeling underneath it. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know the things that I was going through with my ex husband and all the
1: stuff that was coming out that I was dealing with inside. Mm-hmm. And, and you so, had to, yeah, you had to keep it private and keep up an no. an image and appearance, mm-hmm. and yeah, right? Yeah. So
0: well, everybody thought it was great because the hat looked a certain way and I was dressed mm-hmm. a certain way, but they had no idea what I had battled before I walked inside that church.
1: Yeah. And so
0: I then h- had to reflect and look back at the things from my foundation that I was so used to putting up a facade for and people didn't really know who Sheree was Mm. because I was so used to covering up and trying to make everything look pretty so that people would think everything was great. Mm. So one of the main reasons I asked for you to come on the show after hearing about your story on Facebook is because I have issues with infertility. Mm-hmm. So I was actually considering adopting
1: mm-hmm. a
0: couple of months ago and I was trying to figure out, okay, Lord, should I do this? Should I not? And that's when I saw you on Facebook. So I wanted to hear from someone who had gone through it. Mm-hmm. So that I can get an idea of what I would look forward to going into that situation so that I can also have an understanding of the kids that would come in and how they would feel. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to someone who's considering adoption or may have already adopted, but haven't had that conversation with their
1: children yet? Ooh, so it's, it's layered. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course I can't speak to it from the adoptive parent side. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that that can be a very, rigorous journey. It can take months, sometimes years. Um, But speaking as an adoptee, a a question that I often get asked is, you know, would I have wanted to know sooner? You know, Mm -hmm. should my parents have told me as a child? And at least from where I sit today, I do feel like I wish I would have known sooner Um, as a child. Hearing it from my parents, having it explained to me um because I don't think any child should be caught off guard or you know, hear about it from another relative or hear about it from some kids at school who might be teasing mm-hmm. them like you don't want to set your child up for that. So if you are adopting mm-hmm. I would suggest that you really think about how you will explain adoption to your child. How will you normalize it? How will you make them feel just as loved, just as wanted, just as normal, right? As anybody else, how will you have this conversation? And then how will you have this conversation with the other people that your child will be around with your family and friends and really educating them on you know, the language and no adoption isn't a punchline and a joke, you know, like really just treating that child as a part of the family, but also making space to have the conversation. So if your child does come to you with questions or if they want to start looking for their birth family, just really (laughs) thinking about how do you put the needs of that child first? So yes, you want to protect them. Um, you want to love them. You you don't want them to feel othered like they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you want to honor their feeling and honor the fact that as they grow older, they, they're they going to have different emotions about being adopted. And And not to say that there's one way to feel about it, but whatever it is that they feel, you want to create space for them to, to be able to come to you and, and to talk about it.
0: Well, thank you, because I was worried about, oh, okay, so what do I do if they ask? And I want them to be able to feel comfortable in the home as well,
1: mm-hmm. yet
0: not stop them from wanting to find out who they are mm-hmm. and the other part of them. Yeah. So that yeah. was very helpful. Thank you so much. And I yeah. hope that was able to help other people out there as well. Um, because we want some, I think so often with children, we don't feel like they have a voice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know when I was growing up, it was staying a child's place. Right. So there were a lot of things I didn't find out about. Even today as an adult, they're telling me things. I'm like, I didn't know that that was going on. They mm-hmm. were like, because you weren't supposed to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think sometimes we keep things away from kids that they need to know because it sets the foundation of who they will become. And when you keep too many secrets and things from them, then they end up making mistakes that they don't have to make.
1: Yeah. And like in my case, I mean, that information will likely eventually come out. So Mm -hmm. nowadays, if you're adopting, most adoptions now are some form of an open adoption. So- You know, you're, you're going to have some type of communication with the birth family, um, easier access to the records. But at the time when I was adopted in the 80s, mm-hmm. records were sealed and you couldn't even access that information. So if you were a black parent adopting a black child, it could be very easy to not tell that child and just have them go through life um, as if that was your birth child um it's a little bit different you know if you're a black parent and say you're adopting a child of a different race or if you were a black child adopted by parents of a different race then of course you know okay i'm adopted right. um but if you are a black child adopted into a black family i think sometimes there's this belief that there's an option whether or not to tell the child um but the way technology is set up right now, you know, we have yeah. Ancestry.com and 23andMe mm-hmm. and just all these different things that weren't available to us um, even just a few years ago. So right. at some point that information will come out. So, yes, you can keep a secret, but it may mm-hmm. not stay say. a secret.
0: Right. Well, before we wrap up, I always like to end with the lesson. Because I truly believe that we go through things and a lot of times we end up repeating cycles because we haven't learned the lesson from it. Mm -hmm. So what would you say has been one lesson that you've learned throughout your
1: journey? One lesson on on this particular journey is. Just keep sharing. Don't don't hold it in. I think. When I found out this information that I was adopted, it could have been very easy to find it out and just kind of sweep it under the rug, continue on with life as Mm -hmm. I had known it, not talk about it, not make a, you know, quote unquote, big deal about it. But I'm very thankful that I didn't handle it that way Um, because I want to change. I want to change the pattern. Um, So if I'm upset or frustrated that conversations weren't had with me, why would I silence myself? Why would I continue the silence um, that was chosen for me? So I get to choose something different for myself. So I think the lesson is choose choose you, choose yourself, Mm -hmm. use your voice because your voice can have such a huge ripple effect. I just think about what if I didn't share my story? What if I didn't pursue the truth? And, you know, I would have delayed meeting my sisters and meeting my family and learning about myself and maybe never starting a podcast and doing all of the different things that we're doing now that's having an impact on people. And so the lesson is just to share, share your truth.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so funny you talk about choice. I was watching um what is the man's name? Terrell uh Gricey's on YouTube. I
1: love him. Yes. I love him. I
0: was yes. watching him today and he had um Kalante Gavin on. I never I heard the name but I never heard him sing. Okay. And I was watching him today and I was like, oh lord, I don't know if I'm able to watch this whole episode. <laughs> uh um, Cuz he was a little goofy kind of. Okay. Like, oh, I can't take it. But by the end, I was crying, and it was one thing he said. He said I had gone through um, molestation by a cousin. He's like, but one thing about it, he may have taken my choice, but he did not take my calling. And yes. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. So just hearing you say to choose yourself um, and knowing that even though you didn't have a say in how you were brought to the place that you are now, the fact that you have accepted this calling to help other people to find out who they are and to live in their truth is commendable. So I wanna thank you. Thank thank you. Sharing your story and being open and honest and transparent so that other people can see that they can share
1: theirs as well. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your platform, sharing your story and. Allowing, you know, myself, people like me to to do the same. So thank you. Thank you so much.
0: All right. That was our guest, Andrea Washington, sharing her story about adoption of being an adoptee. And as she stated, we have so many stories like hers where we don't really know the backstory of it. But for her to be able to share her story and let us know, it's okay for you to choose you. So I want to thank you all for tuning in. And I hope that you learned something from her today that you can apply to your life. If you're in the mood for a good book, you can check out one of my books underneath the hat right behind me on the side. Lord. This camera, <laughs> there it is. Underneath the hacks, you can find it on Amazon, wherever books are sold. I also have another book that talks about my journey with infertility, which I mentioned to Sandria called Is That Size For A Reason? If you type in my name in Amazon, it'll pop right up. So when you're looking for a good book to read, go ahead and check out one of those. Also, we're still continuing our... Truth Hurts series talking about family hurts, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, if you're willing to share your story and be transparent and a blessing to someone else, you can email me at underneath the hat at gmail.com. Again, I always say your testimony can be another person's breakthrough. So, if you're interested in sharing, email me at underneath the hat at gmail.com. Again, I want to thank my guest, Sandria Washington, for sharing with us about her adoptive journey. Thank you all for subscribing and sharing and liking the page. And I pray that you have learned something during this series. And as I always say, I want you to remember to take care of yourself underneath the hat. I will see you next week.